ever pondered the importance of media on our mental health? You're about to find out in today's episode. I'm your host, Jeff Udick, and I'm thrilled to bring you an engaging conversation with Dr. Laura erickson Stroth. Laura is a key member of the JED Foundation, focusing on safeguarding the emotional well-being and preventing suicide among teens and young adults. In our discussion, pay special attention to these two key points. First, how media literacy can empower young people to critically analyze the content they consume and its effect on their mental health. Second, the way in which storytelling in TV and film can be a powerful tool for shaping identity and coping mechanisms in youth. Before we dive into this insightful conversation, I want to take a moment to thank our episode sponsor, MoneyPickle.com. Educators, it's never too late to get savvy with personal finance. Money Pickle offers a fantastic opportunity for you to consult experienced financial advisors for free. These Pickle Pros are there to simplify complex financial concepts, making them easier for you to grasp and master. Empower yourself with financial knowledge, all thanks to MoneyPickle.com. Head over to MoneyPickle.com slash shifting schools to start your financial learning journey. With that, prepare to dive deep into our conversation with Dr. Laura about the significant role of media in influencing mental health. It's going to be an insightful journey. And with that, on with the show. It's so great and an honor to be joined uh, by uh, Dr. Laura Erickson Strove from the Jed Foundation. Just to remind people, the Jed Foundation is a nonprofit that protects emotional health and prevents suicide for our nation's teens and young adults, giving them the skills and support they need to thrive today and tomorrow. Uh, Laura, you are here to talk about how that work links to media literacy and our representation in TV and film. Let's get started by talking about what kind of effects do you think entertainment can have on young people's identity and mental health? Yeah, first of all, Jeff, thank you so much for having us on this show. Um, I'm really excited yeah. to be here to talk about this topic with you because I think media can have such a tremendous effect on young people. You know, storytelling is how people have been passing along information for all of human history. So uh, we know that it's effective. It's how we pass things on for generations um, because it's so engaging. And I think specifically around mental health, it can do a few different things. You know, one is reduce shame, prejudice, secrecy, you know, by talking about mental health accurately and openly. Uh, it can encourage more compassion and understanding for when people are going through things. Uh, can help change narratives that aren't helpful about mental health, things like mental health being only about struggle, when really mental health is a continuum mm. from struggling to thriving. It's part of all of our lives. Uh, you know, media depictions can inspire young people, can model ways that they can be proactive about their mental health, ways that they can care for each other, and ways that adults can be there to support them and they can be there to support each other. So, you know, seeing a character on TV struggle with a mental health issue or have suicidal thoughts that can allow young people to understand what they may be feeling and find a name for it. And responsible storytelling can also show a viewer it's okay to talk about things like suicide 
we know that data tells us uh, talking directly about suicide, asking someone if they're thinking about suicide can actually bring relief and increase the, the likelihood that they're going to seek out help. And then dialogues on TV or in movies can really show parents, other adults, also young people, how they can initiate difficult conversations. And positive stories can provide hope. So stories have the power to show young people suicide is preventable. There are resources that are available. They're not alone. And storytelling, actually, I think the, the other thing that's really important is that it can increase positive representation for young people and that boosts their mental mm -hmm. health. So LGBTQ youth, youth of color who historically haven't seen themselves authentically represented. Uh, I'll give an example, which is that we did a panel with the TV Academy uh, in the spring. And one mm -hmm. of the panelists was uh, Nupur Agarwal, and she's the SVP of Social Impact at MTV. And she talked about watching mm -hmm. the show Never Have I Ever. Have you seen that show? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. she, and she said she, she realized that before she'd, uh, you know, before that show, she'd never seen a Southeast Asian woman in therapy on a TV show or in a movie mm. and how much that meant for her and how much it would have meant for her as a teenager to see that. Um, so I think the power of storytelling is its ability to push people to think differently. And that's why Jed mm. has been working with the entertainment industry. I think it's now for over 17 years. Uh, and and we wow. and we work in the media space in a couple different ways. Um, one is we produce campaigns and educational videos ourselves or in partnerships. And the other is we work with the entertainment industry to improve depictions of youth mental health. That's through something called our Storytelling mm -hmm. and Culture Change Initiative. So in, in terms mm -hmm. of the content creation, you know, we, we produce educational videos. We have a partnership with YouTube where we're producing uh, videos about depression, about alcohol use, opiates, eating disorders, PTSD, OCD. Uh, we have a campaign called CZ Awkward, which is a joint effort with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention uh, in collaboration with the Ad Council that helps young people to uh, have the tools to have conversations to support each other. And the most recent PSA from that is with Megan Thee Stallion. Um, and she talks about, you know, how it's okay to not be okay and how she gives and receives support from her friends. Um, and then, you know, we also work to help change the entertainment industry and how they depict mental health. So we provide, you know, expert consultation to entertainment creators to help them tell, you know, accurate, compelling, diverse stories. Um, we have partnerships with, with, you know, groups like MTV Paramount with Spotify, with CAA, uh, USC's uh, Annenberg and Center for Scholars and Storytellers. We're a founding member of the Mental Health Storytelling Coalition. Uh, and uh, one of the lead authors on what's called the Mental Health Media Guide, which is actually a really great resource for entertainment professionals uh, to learn how to tell authentic stories uh, about mental health. That's fantastic. Is there anything uh, I just think about teens today and, and, you know, I do a lot of work uh, with school districts around teens and social media. Is there any play into this idea of storytelling? I think it's fantastic. And I think we a lot of times overlook social media as also storytelling in ways that it can be. Uh, specifically today, we have a lot of teens that are hanging out in Instagram with Instagram reels or shorts on YouTube, as you mentioned, uh, but also in places like TikTok. Are you doing anything in there to get these stories out, you know, in front of in front of kids where kids are. Uh, you know, I think it's one thing when we talk about, you know, full length films and, and, and things like never have I ever that are uh, on television is one way, but this, the short form content, are you finding any impact in that space? Yeah. I'm well? so glad you asked about that. Cause that's one of the areas that, you know, uh, 
we, we love to sort of get involved with. So, you know, we provide direct support for entertainers like actors and musicians, but also for influencers, you know, to help them explore mm-hmm. how, how do they want to engage around mental health? How do they want to tell their stories, respond to fans who might be reaching out to them? Because actually they receive a lot of messages, especially from young people who are yeah. going through difficult times and they're not always sure how to respond to them. So we can help them to figure out yeah, how to get young people to resources. We had a collaboration also in the spring with Snap, um, where we did an event with okay. them and provided influencers that work with them information on how to talk about, you know, mental health in ways that's the most effective and most helpful. I love that. I love that. What are some misconceptions, uh, misconceptions about mental health that you see frequently play out in film and TV? And what can we do to better address those misconceptions? Yeah, I think um, sort of taking a step backwards and looking at the big picture, you know, I think we're not seeing mental health enough uh, in Mm. film and TV. I I think um, the way that it affects us in real life isn't what we're seeing. So, you know, if you look at the research, um, you know, over 20% of Americans are experiencing some sort of mental health condition. But um, according to there's a there's a report from Annenberg at USC that they put out where they look at the top films coming out each year. Uh, and, and you can see mm. in that report that only 2% of characters um, across the top films in the last year had a mental health condition. And that's a big gap. Um, you know, and it, wow. in, of that small percentage of characters, about half of them um, are showing mental health conditions in ways that dehumanize them, trivialize the issue. There are a lot of, um, you know, characters' conditions that are used as the butt of a joke, you know, something that you're going to hide from your friends or family. And I think there are a lot of potential opportunities there to address, you know, you could have the protagonist have a mental health condition that they can manage, that we're showing them manage. Um, increasing visibility, again, of particular groups of young people, showing that culturally competent care can be available. Uh, and then I, I think there are uh, misconceptions about particular things that come out very often. And I think the two most common that I see are violence and suicidality. Uh, you know, in mm. terms of violence, there's this misconception that people with mental health conditions are um, perpetrators of violence. And again, you know, you can look at Annenberg's um, study and over 70% of characters with mental health issues shown in top, you know, the top films over the past year were perpetrators sure. of violence. Uh, over 70%, you know, and we know from research that uh, people with serious mental illness are much more likely to be victims than perpetrators of violence. But that's not what we're seeing, you know, in film and on TV. I worked in psychiatric emergency rooms for many years, and I saw, you know, thousands of patients that had psychosis, which is probably the type of mental health condition the public is most afraid of. And I think it's it's because there's mystery around it and people aren't really sure what the symptoms Mm. are, you know, but once you get to know people with psychosis, you understand that, you know, almost all of them are struggling to kind of make sense of reality and they're really not looking to harm anyone. And they're often more scared of what other people are going to do to them. And like I said, the Mm. research shows that they're much more likely to be, to be victimized. Uh, You know, so, and and then I would say the other, the other big topic is suicide. So, you know, again, like I said earlier, the idea that if you talk about suicide, it's going to uh, give someone ideas, right. Or um, make them think about suicide when they hadn't been thinking about it before. But in reality, 
talking about suicide and bringing it up with someone who is having suicidal thoughts actually typically provides relief and, and encourages them to reach out for help. Um, so there are a lot of ways that suicide is depicted in uh, film and TV uh, that are that I, I think could be improved. Um, you know, I think it's important, for example, not to talk in detail about like the method of suicide. Um, there is mm-hmm. evidence that that can trigger people who are thinking about it if you depict it on TV. Um, the other thing is romanticizing it. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, people think from watching TV and film that, that you know, once you die by suicide, people are going to pay more attention to you or that there's some kind of sure. like glory in it. Um, another thing that comes up is suggesting that if someone wants to die, there's no way to change their mind, that it's kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, we often see that kind of um, uh, shown in film and TV. But actually, in reality, most people are ambivalent. You know, most people have reasons to live and have reasons that they're thinking about dying. And and most suicides are impulsive. You know, su- you know, suicidal crises mm. can be really short lived and people can get through it. Um, it can escalate quickly. Um, but then, you know, once you get through it, or if you're able to get through it and you have help, 90 uh, percent of people even who've had a serious suicide attempt don't go on, you know, to die by suicide later. Uh, another common one that comes up is showing suicide as selfish, you know, something that someone mm. does to hurt other people when really people who are thinking mm. about suicide often kind of go into to tunnel vision. Um, and what they're really thinking about is, you know, that they're a burden to other people, that they might be better off, um, you know, other people might be better off if they weren't around. So there are a lot of these kinds of stereotypes around suicide. And I think, you know, overall, we need to push the message that, you know, mental health is uh, this continuum, like I said, from struggling to thriving. And a lot of times it's depicted as either someone has this, you know, very serious mental health condition or everything's fine when really, you know, so many of us uh, go through mental health issues and it's a, a normal part of life. Mm, I love that. Talk a little bit more on, on kind of a, a bigger scale of the work that, that Jed does. We've been focused very much on media literacy and the media side. Well, let's just take a moment and pause here and just talk about what, what is the work that Jed does. And, and for a K-12 educator listening to this, how, how can a foundation like Jed uh, support that? Absolutely. So um, Jed was founded by a couple, uh, Phil and Donna Seitao, who lost their son Jed to suicide while he was in college. Um, And so Mm. what they did was they went to the president of the college and they said, you know, um, our son died by suicide and we want to help prevent other students um, from dying by suicide. You know, what kind of programs or policies do you have in place? You know, what what can can you do? And the the president said, I'm actually not sure there's nothing in place for us to go to. There's no sort of rubric to use. Uh, And that's how the Jed Foundation Mm. came about. So we started initially working with um, colleges. uh, And now we've worked with over 500 colleges across the United States. Um, uh, A quarter of U.S. college students are attending what we call a Jed campus. Uh, And we, Mm. yeah, and we also now over the past few years have developed a high school program. um, And we're starting a district level program. So we have 18 districts that are starting a pilot program with us. Um, that, you know, this year, and um, we're looking at things on a systematic level. Uh, we're starting to think about how do you make changes from a district level that are going to affect young people uh, and, and, you know, improve their mental health and decrease the likelihood that they're going to die by suicide. And the way that we do that is using what we call our comprehensive approach. 
So this is based in research where, you know, we've looked into what are all of the sort of target areas uh, that uh, research shows us can positively affect youth mental health and prevent suicide. And so what we do is we go into a school, we meet with a team that they've created. And first we do surveys of the students. We gather important information from um, the administrators and we figure out like, where are they starting from? And then we help them to put together a strategic plan uh, that they can follow. And we work with colleges for four years and we work with high schools for three years to, you know, once we've identified those areas uh, in that strategic plan to help them to figure out how to, you know, carry that out. Wow. That's so great. I love that. I love that we're getting support, especially for high school. I think it's a great place to start. I mean, we know we need this support K-12. Um, and I love that you're you're starting to roll out a district level support of looking at, you know, the whole child uh, from the moment that they come into our care within, you know, public education or in, inside our schools. How are we supporting kids with their mental health, uh, you know, through, through life? I mean, because we know that, I mean, educators in a school district can see, you know, you get 12, 13 years with a, with a child. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of impact that you can have on a student's life as well. Uh, for, our listeners, for our listeners who want to perhaps point students or families to media that has a positive representation of mental health, can you give us some examples or two and maybe tell us what you are looking for in positive mental health representation inside of uh, media? Yeah, I have a few favorite shows. So, you know, I'll mention a couple of and, and things that I'm seeing in those shows that I really love. So um, one show hmm. that I'll bring up is called Wolfpack. And actually, um, our okay. senior media consultant, Courtney Knowles, was advising on this show um, as they were developing it. It's, a, it's this supernatural show, you know, where the world is kind of falling apart. Um, and so you wouldn't necessarily expect that that would be the place where you would see sort of these great depictions of, of youth mental health. But I think it does a couple of really good things. One is it shows a teen boy with an anxiety disorder. Uh, and most often it's, mm. it's girls that are depicted with anxiety disorders. And so I think it, it normalizes that. And then it sort of also demonstrates on screen for young people that there are skills they can use um, to manage their anxiety. So there's this great scene mm. where the main character, his name is Everett. Um, he teaches one of the other characters named Blake how to do this thing called lion's breath, which is this breathing technique that, mm. that helps um, with anxiety and to, you know, to cope. Uh, and it's, it's a fun scene because she's, you know, he says it's, it's lion's breath. It comes from yoga. And she says like yoga, you want me to do yoga when like the world is falling apart? Um, you know, <laughs> and then she tries it and she finds it so helpful and she does it again later. So I think, you know, sort of like creating these depictions and then, and then, you know, there's memes mm -hmm. going around that people are sending around about her doing lion's breath and like kids sending them between Very each cool. other. Um, Another show I love is Never Have I Ever, which I already mentioned, but, you know, I love yeah. that it's, it's a show where, you know, these characters aren't just stereotypes, you know, they're young people that come from all these different backgrounds, and they're engaging in, in, in talking about mental health. The main character is, you know, a, a Southeast Asian girl who's in therapy with a black therapist who's a really good therapist, you know, which is important mm -hmm. because we, we see these trends in, in youth shows depicting um, health professionals as out of touch or unable to help them. And we really need to create those those depictions of, wow, you really could find someone 
who could mm. sort of be there for you. And then the other, the last show I'll mention is Heartstopper. I'm completely in love with this show. You know, I can't talk about it enough. You know, I think um, what I like most about it is that it takes all of these tropes about, you know, what you need to do to make a show entertaining and it kind of turns them all on their head. Um, And it shows us that, you know, real human connection can be just as exciting as these sort of contrived scenarios. So, you know, almost every show has Mm -hmm. a, a scene where someone, you know, has a misunderstanding with someone else. And the whole episode is about them. You know, you're kind of like screaming at the screen, like just talk to each other. right? (laughs) And and in this show, they actually talk to each other, uh, which I love, you know, and they do that while they're talking about like these two high school boys who meet and they fall in love with each other. You know, one of them's getting bullied. The other one's like the captain of the rugby team because this is taking place in the UK. Um, and they show, you know, accurate depictions of, of things like eating disorders. One of the boys has an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. accurate depictions of bullying and how that affects a young person. So I think there are shows that really get things right. And the more of this kind of work we all do, the more I think we're going to see that. And we're going to have like, you know, a real Mm -hmm. lasting impact on young people and how they think about mental health. Mm, I love that. I love that. Uh, I can tell you're passionate about the work you do. Um, what's it like working for an organization like Jed that's making such a positive impact in the world, and especially with our youth today? Yeah, I mean, I find it so fun. You can hear it in my voice. You can see it because we can see each yeah. other. Um, I just think it's so interesting to be able to take something that you know I know about from doing clinical work mm-hmm. and apply it to uh, this area where maybe there isn't that much um, conversation about mental health. And people really invite us in. They want to know what's going on. What, you know, what happens when a young person has this kind of thing? How do they get connected to help? What is the kind of help? And so it's fun to actually, you know, uh, educate people and make sure they know about this and that, and that it, you know, gets translated into media. I love that. I love that. If people want to learn more about you, reach out to you, learn more about the Jed Foundation, uh, what are some ways that they, they can do yeah, that? Yeah, so we're at jedfoundation.org. Uh, and if you want to find our storytelling um, and culture change initiative, it's just jedfoundation.org slash jedstorytelling. Um, you know, anybody who's interested in this field, I would suggest checking out the mental health media guide. Um, or um, also seize the awkward. I think, for, especially for young people, uh, you know, the seize the awkward campaign is specifically for them to learn how to connect with each other and support each other. So, yeah, thank you so much for awesome. having me. Yeah, well, thank you for being here, and we will make sure that links to all of that uh, are in the show notes along with your bio, uh, so people can reach out to you uh, through the Jed Foundation as well. Dr. Laura, thank you so much for spending time with us today uh, and talking about this and really focusing in on how media can really play a, a part in students' lives. Appreciate thank you, it. Jeff.